fate. The development of events beyond a person's control regarded as determined by a supernatural power. <laughs> if you don't believe in fate, by the end of this episode, you will. I'm going to tell you a story of how a series of events led to me being the caregiver of my mother who has Alzheimer's. This is the Chai Bati Podcast. We'll get real. Raw. Authentic conversations. Stay tuned. The year was 1992, April of 1992. And my mother was having really sharp pains in her stomach, right? And she was about 43 years old at the time. She was having really sharp pains in her stomach. And she didn't drive. She never learned how to drive. She didn't have a car. Um, so she got my brother Rico, or her son Rico at the time, to take her to the doctor to see why was she having pain, why no pain medicine could stop these sharp pains in her stomach and why she was always cramping, what was going on. So the doctor did his examination, got the x-rays and all of that, and he came to the conclusion that she was having a growth in her uterus that could possibly be a tumor, and one of the options they should explore would be a hysterectomy. Well, my brother Rico at the time thought to tell her, Hey, that might, we might need to go get a second opinion before you just go straight to hysterectomy. And for those of you listening or watching who don't know what a hysterectomy is, a hysterectomy is basically a surgical procedure where they remove a woman's uterus. So she went and got a second opinion. And after getting the second opinion, the doctor explained there, no, you don't have any tumors or anything. You're actually uh, pregnant. And that baby was me. Now, I asked my mother, you know, just before the Alzheimer's came, before she, before she got in the state she was in now, I asked her once, Ma, like, if you're 43 years old, you already had four kids at the time, all of which who were either adults or, you know, three, four years off from being, you know, legal adults. Why didn't you, you know, what, what were you thinking at the time? And she said, Son, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> and that's our relationship. We're always very transparent and honest with one another. She said, son, I'll be honest with you. I honestly thought about getting rid of you. You know, and I asked her, like, why didn't you? She said, I just knew that you were supposed to be here for a reason. And you didn't come for no reason. And what a miracle to have a baby at 43 years old when some people can't even have babies early on. Like, what a miracle to be able to have a baby at 43 years old and, you know, find out I was pregnant when I thought I was going through menopause, when I thought I couldn't have any kids anymore. I ended up having a baby, and it was you, you know. And I thought that you were meant to be here, so who am I to take that from you? And I thought that was beautiful. I, I liked that. But anyway... To make this all make sense of what I'm trying to get to with the, the the fate thing, how all things happen for a reason. My first introduction to Alzheimer's, I'll say at the time, because Alzheimer's has forever been present in my life. Like I said, my mother has Alzheimer's currently right now, and I am her caregiver, but it's always been very present in my life. And my first introduction really to it is something that I don't remember. I've only heard stories about it from my mother was when my grandmother poisoned me. So when my mother had me, 
she immediately went back into the workforce. That was her thing. She always worked, and you know, that was, that was just her thing throughout my life. She was always a hard worker. I always seen her, you know, working double shifts and everything like that. But my grandmother was responsible for keeping me. You know, it's traditional black families how it is. The grandmother always come in during the day because she's retired and look after the grandkids or whatever, right? So she was responsible for keeping me. And one day, my grandmother ended up giving me, uh, I don't know exactly what it was, but I do know that she thought it was baby formula. She gave me the baby formula, right? And, or what she thought was baby formula. And it ended up not being baby formula. And just so happened my aunt, God rest her soul, um, she's passed now. She she uh, ended up coming over, you know, just to check on mom, my grandmother, just to make sure she was okay during like a lunch break or whatever. So she came over to check on my grandmother and and me. And she seen something wasn't right with me. You know, like I was a little, I guess, lethargic or whatever you can say. She said something wasn't right with me. And she asked grandma, like, you know, what's wrong with T? What's wrong with Terry? Or why is he, you know, acting like that? And my grandma was like, I don't know. You know, I gave him his food. He should be fine or whatever. And she was like, what did you give him? And she seen that grandma had gave me, you know, whatever the substance was. And she said, this isn't formula, grandma. Oh, this isn't formula, mom. Mom, we, we got to get him to the hospital. And they rushed me to the hospital and pumped my stomach. And that was kind of like when they, um, I don't know if it was the determining factor of how they figured out she had, had Alzheimer's, but I do know that around that time they were figuring out like, hey, you know, she's kind of losing it. She's slipping. But fast forward, you know, years later, um, she ended up passing away around when I was seven years old from Alzheimer's. My grandmother did. And but during that time when she she slowly started to use, lose motor skills, you know, the ability to speak, talk, so all of that stuff, she started to slowly lose all of that. And I vividly remember this these moments of seeing my grandmother in this state. And she slowly began to lose all that. And my mother took up the uh, responsibility to become my grandmother's caregiver at the time, right? So she decided to become my, my grandmother's caregiver and she did all of that. And my grandmother passed away when I was seven years old. Now, that time after that was kind of a weird period from like seven to 10 years old because my my mother had took care of my grandmother for so many years and that's all she did. She didn't work. She, she didn't work. She just mainly took care of my grandmother. But after that, we kind of hit like a financial wall and, and you know, kind of like few constraints, whatever you want to call it. And things were a little hard and difficult, but that seven to 10 year old stretch right there kind of defined like my mother and I, our relationship, it grew stronger. We went from the mother son dynamic to almost being friends to where I felt comfortable, comfortable telling her anything, you know? And I think it was a beautiful thing. Those are some some memories that I really do remember. Just being able to bond with her and getting those lessons. Like I said, I got four older brothers, but they're so much older than me. It was almost like I was the only child. You know, I would see them on holidays and dinners and everything, but I didn't regularly see them. It was almost like father figures, four older uh, father figures. So it was almost like I was the only child. But anyway, I see my mother. I mean, I, I see my mother like, you know, just work and go hard and I appreciate it. And I was always like so close to her, you know, and I remember making her a promise at around 15 or maybe I was around like 12 or something like that. I said, you know, when you get older, I'll take care of you. 
And, you know, her being her, she's just like, you know, now nah, you'll be just like the rest of them. You won't take care of me. But I'm like, no, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to make sure you're all right. I always had that feeling to want to protect her and look after her for some reason, you know. And fast forward, I went to college, done, you know, all the things that I've done up until this point. I moved away from home, became an adult, had my own kid. And immediately while I, while I was, when I found out I was having a kid around 25, shortly after that, I figured out that my mother had Alzheimer's as well. She was like in the moderate stages of Alzheimer's. I always had a good idea that that may happen to her as well because, you know, it happened to my grandmother. And I always had a feeling like, hey, if it happened to my, I know it was, you know, hereditary. So it was possible that it would happen to my mother as well. So the worst news. She got it, and it was during the time when I actually felt like I really needed her. She was always such an awesome mom and aunt and just like a a mother figure to everyone around, and I needed that parental guidance on how to navigate and becoming a father. You know, me and my father at the time, I won't say we didn't have, we we never been able to talk to each other on that level, you know, because it was always that disconnect. I didn't really grow up with him around, so she's the person that I needed. To, to speak with, but she was having this disease and as the disease progressed, it was becoming harder and harder to speak to her about anything for that matter, you know, and it even started to become times where she didn't remember me, you know? And one time that really sticks out during this experience of my mother having Alzheimer's is at my nephew's wedding, I remember walking into the hotel room because his wedding was in Arkansas. I remember walking into the hotel room where we were all staying in. I walked over to my mom, my best friend. And I said to her, I said, you know, what's up, ma? And I gave her a hug. And she looked me right in my face and she had no idea who I was. Now, as a 29-year-old man at the time, looking at your parent and they don't know who you who you are, it's probably that's really heavy, to say the least. But nevertheless, we figured out about the Alzheimer's and slowly but surely she started to like, you know, go downhill as people do. There's no care for Alzheimer's and um, I made the decision, you know, after, you know, speaking with all my brothers and my my aunts, my mother, my, you know, my mother's sisters and the sister who was taking care of at the time, I made a decision to bring her here with me. I thought that it would be in her best interest to move with me and live with me because I felt as though I can provide the best care for her. And I'm a, I want to explain to you how fate works how this makes sense for me to be the caregiver for my mother. Rewind back, my mother had me when she was 43 years old. I told y'all that already. I was born immediately when I was born. I was, I, did, I couldn't see well. As a matter of fact, um, I started wearing glasses when I was about four years old. And I have the worst vision to this day. I don't have great vision. 
but my vision was gradually declining by the time my mother got me to the doctor at four years old. And it was a possibility that I was going to be blind. So much so to where they started teaching me Braille early on and I would have to go to the vision class uh, around three years old. And during that time, because I lived in such a small town, the vision class was kind of like all clumped in with uh, people with intellectual disabilities as well. You know, it was me with me and other people, people with hearing impairments, people with vision impairments, but then you also had the people with intellectual disabilities as well. And where most children are afraid of those types of kids because, you know, the noises and all of that, I was more, I, I received them well because I was ex exposed to them so much sooner and I made friends with them so much sooner. That kind of lit something in me at the time to like not be so afraid of, you know, those kids or not judge those kids or make fun of those kids like how most kids, how, how most younger people do. So fast forward, when I was deciding on my career, I decided that I want to go in that space and take care of people with intellectual disabilities. And that's what I did. Uh, I specifically took care of people with intellectual disabilities who were older, much older. And normally not only had intellectual disabilities, they had Alzheimer's and they were incontinent and couldn't, you know, use the bathroom on their own and everything. So that's when I started to take care of those types of people. And that's the reason why. That's literally the direct reason why because of me almost being, you know, not being able to see well. And I, I took that as my career path from about 18 years old all the way to I was about 26, 27. I did that. So almost 10 years I did that. And that honestly got me ready to move my mother here now. And that's how, I mean, fate works. I had no idea that, who knows? First of all, I thought that I would be 40, 50 years old by the time. I kind of always thought my mother would have Alzheimer's, but I thought I would be 40, 50 years old by the time my mother had Alzheimer's, you know? And I thought I would be, you know, well on in age by the time it started to show up. Never thought it would be, you know, my mid-20s when I would be experiencing that. And But I, I was already prepared for that, right? But because of all the experience I got working with these people specifically, and honestly, I would like to say that I started working with elderly people because my mother was older, and that's what I was used to. <laughs> they always called me an old man anyway, or said I had an old soul because of how I was. I mean, I was raised by essentially an old woman, you know, <laughs> but took on the care of my mother. Now, I moved her here with me, and since then I've been her caregiver. And I will say that this has been one of the most. Having to take be a primary caregiver for my mother has been, my mother who has Alzheimer's, has been one of the most difficult experiences of my life. It tests everything. You know, my patience. Like, and she knows, she knows when I'm getting impatient with her. She knows when I'm almost like rushing her, you know, and, but deep down, she still knows that she, first of all, she doesn't know who I am. You know, you can say Terrio or T, you know, what she always called me, the Terrio or T. And you say, I'm Terrio. She's like, you're not Terrio. You're not my son. I know Terrio's a baby. I know what Terrio looks like. You're not my son. 
I'm here every day where I wake up, where I go to sleep, where I spend the day with her. I'm in her face all the time. She doesn't know who I am. And that, that, it hurts because that's deeper than just, that's not just my mom. It's my friend. You know? It's my baby. That's my queen. And it's hard internalizing that the biggest battle I've had to face up until this point is removing myself as her son and assuming the role of caregiver. That's been the biggest challenge because I'm the baby. <laughs> you know, I'm the baby. I'm a, I'm a grown man, but I'm the baby, you know, and it's, it's hard. It's, it's disheartening at moments to just look at her and see that she doesn't know who I am, you know, and it's a, it's very rewarding to know that, you know, I always tell people when they ask me about this, they say that they love people unconditionally, right? The moment that I knew I loved my mother unconditionally is when she had Alzheimer's. I figured out she had Alzheimer's and I decided to move her here with me to live with me. Because unconditional love is love with no conditions. There was nothing that she can provide to me. As a matter of fact, her moving here would create more strain on my life. There was nothing that she could provide to me. There was no conditions. There was nothing that she could do to help me. But still, I made the decision to bring her here with me and and look after her. And that's when I knew I loved her unconditionally. There was no conditions. There was nothing, you know, nothing that would, nothing that she could provide. You know, maybe a sense of peace, I'll say. Because I really worried about her, even though she was under, you know, care of my aunt. I really worried about her. You know, it's your mom. You never know. You want to know what her day-to-day -day is. You want to know that she's in good hands and that she's safe. And I did, you know, when I stress, when I stress, unfortunately, one of the first things that goes is my hair. I start to lose my hair whenever I'm super stressed out. And um, I was losing hair, you know. I had to keep the low cut or either grow my hair out to cover up the, like, the the ball spots in my head because I was losing it, you know. And since she's been here, I've had that sense of peace to know that, hey, she's under good care. I know that there she'll be fine with me. And right now, I'm not just, I made a promise to myself that I wouldn't do what I seen my mother do. I seen her put her whole entire life on hold to take care of my grandmother. I promised myself that I wouldn't do that that I would continue to, even though I was, I, would, I was taking care of my mother, I promised myself that I would continue to, to love her and be here for her, but also live my life, do the things that I want to do. And currently I am in school pursuing um, my master's. I'm still a father to Maverick. I have him the same amount of times. I, I don't compromise on spending time with Maverick. He's still here with me. He 
He's still around me. He's still with me. It's my baby. He'll always be my baby. You know, I still work out and I still do the things that I enjoy. And I won't put my life on hold for it. And it's hard. You know, every single second counts. Every sing, every second that I, from the time I, every minute is accounted for. From the time I wake up to the time I go to sleep. Every minute is accounted for. You know, that's just the amount of attention that my mother requires. Like, to have to bathe her. <laughs> to have to put, put her clothes on. To have to, like, make sure that she's good. Like I said, all of those things I was prepared for, but I don't know if you can ever be prepared to do that for your actual mother. You know, it gets, I don't know the word that I'm looking for. I don't want to say uncomfortable or weird, but along those lines, it's just knowing that I have to clean my mother and be here. It, it, it gets challenging, you know, and she'll have moments where she just breaks down and she'll cry because she doesn't know what's going on. You know, she has Alzheimer's and she'll cry because she's confused and lost. And in those moments, I have to be the person to comfort her. I don't know what the lesson is that I'm learning from this. You know, I don't know where, I don't know, I believe in God and I trust in the process. I trust in God. I do know that fate and everything that I've learned up until this point from my patience to my just the actual practical skills that I have to be able to take care of my mother, I do realize that I'm prepared to do this for my mom. I'm prepared to be her caregiver. I'm prepared to be here for her and handle all of these things. She prepared me from the start. She prepared me to be able to do all of this. I do understand it, you know. It was given to me early on to have to be responsible. I never had a chance to be irresponsible. I never had a chance to to fuck up. She prepared me from the start for all of these things. I I am ready for this. I, I know what I'm doing with this. I have the mindset to do this. I know that. I understand that. But I do wonder. What is the lesson to be learned from this? What will come of this? I don't know. I guess it's just up to y'all to sit and stay updated on everything that's going on. (laughs) But I will say I'm happy. I'm happy and I'm secure with, you know, my mother's living situation now. And nobody has to tell me they're proud of me. I'm proud of me. I'm proud of me. And I know if my mom was in her right mind and she could really like articulate, she would she would say, "Yeah, baby, I'm pr- I'm proud of you as well." You know, you. I would like to think that I'm that promise that I made to her around twelve that I would be here for her and take care of her. I like to believe that I'm following through with that promise. Yeah. Listen, if you're watching up until this point. I need you to go get the merch. You can buy the merch at www.choppedbyteapodcast.com. Uh, again, it's choppedbyteapodcast.com. All the links will be in my uh, description on all my videos. 
But again, that's www.chopbyteapodcast.com. Do me a favor. If you support the content, if you love what I'm doing, um, share this, like this, comment, tell me what you think. Um, <laughs> my life has been nowhere near easy, and I know that yours hasn't either. And you can do this. You can do it. Don't let this shit beat you up. We don't surrender. We don't retreat. Listen, it's season Child by T podcast. We'll get real, raw, authentic conversations. Until next time.